How many times do you think I f this up after a month of not recording? As much as usual. I need to leave this oh, in, by that's the way. Not nice. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer. Not in the palatial 680 The Fan Studios, but in our respective homes. I am Eric Quintana, Josh Bagarianski, Sam Franco. Gentlemen, it's been way too long, but how are we doing? I guess your I would fault? suggest first and foremost, yeah, exactly, it is your fault. But first and foremost, don't buy it's a It's my house. fault? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Always my fault. Yeah, but seriously, if if you're thinking about buying a house, don't because it's super stressful. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, oh, are you? Is that what is that what's been keeping you busy the last few weeks? Last yeah, month or so? uh, just uh, our our closing dates coming up, which is you know the light at the end of the tunnel there. But man, it is a lot of work. You don't think it's not like you know if you go buy a car or go buy something and you can do it in like one day. <laughs> like obviously you can't do that with a house, but but it, I had never even thought of how crazy it is. So yeah, it's a it's it's definitely a, a long process, but one that's going to be going to be worthwhile when i can uh, have my own place to call my my home i guess so Where, uh what what area, what area are you looking in it's tucker uh the 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 house nice. we've, we've yeah we're closing on it is, is in tucker kind of near where we live now so it's all good and uh we're, we're definitely happy to be back here on the airwaves talking some atlanta united because uh it's been far too long and uh yeah we we only blame ourselves and and in particular <laughs> eric yeah I, w- I just blame eric i, I mean i hey i've been here it just, it just I, listen, Josh, Josh, you've been like up to your neck in, in, in coaching kids. How, how are the, how are the kiddos? They're doing great. You know, the spring is funny. Cause I get all, you know, I coach the, the eight, nine year olds. I coach to like middle school kids and now we have the high school. So it is truly, um, it's truly been a, a, well, we'll get sappy. It's been a special experience to be able to provide the kids with something because it's not been an easy year to be a kid. But as a Druid Hills long. alum myself, I blame you for the loss to Westminster the other day. <laughs> yes, well, we did 100%. lose to a fine Westminster team. We're actually struggling a bit right now, so they're going to have to really uh, get in there and do some real coaching. But uh, it's been so awesome to um, to be out there and, and ha- give the kids a positive experience uh, during a time when they don't have much to be happy about. So, hey, guess who else real, has been doing real, some real coaching, though? Gabriel Heinze has finally been back on the field. I yeah. heard about that. I've heard about this Heinze guy. What do you guys think? Look, I think he's going to be a good addition. <laughs> good segue, huh? <laughs> well, I think, I think more than anything, it's funny that you say that because, like, we can sit here on this episode and talk about the players that have come in, talk about the players that have left. But I think ultimately what the three of us have kind of determined we feel like right now is that we feel very similar to 2017 going into this season, you know, going into – a season where there's a lot of change. There's going to be a lot of new faces on this team. They're going to be run an entirely different way in terms of on the field with Gabriel Heinze in charge. So you see all these new things. And I think the only certainty we have going in that we didn't have going in in 2017 is that Joseph Martinez is a badass. Yes, he's coming <laughs> off of injury. But in 2017, I don't think any of us, if you would talk to this podcast 
before the season started in 2017 would have been like, oh, yeah, Joseph Martinez is going to be one of the best strikers in MLS history in only, like, you know, three seasons of work at Atlanta United. And he's coming off an injury, obviously, so there is a little bit of, of hesitancy or concern there just to be sure that he's okay coming back from it. But that's really the only certainty is that we know we have a top-of-the-league type striker especially if he's healthy, but everything else is just kind of, yeah, we, we can watch tape on Sosa. We can watch tape on, um, you know, Ibarra or any of the other guys coming in, but we won't know until they play together on the field and have gotten that coaching from Gabriel Heinze to play how he wants them to play. Yeah. Even I'm if- excited. I mean, you, you have, first of all, the, I mean, the biggest addition proven addition is Joseph, right? I mean, I don't know if you want to call him an addition or whatnot, but well, he's an addition from last year, from last year to this, yeah. you go from, Adam John to Joseph Martinez. That's the biggest upgrade you're going to have anywhere in the 11. But I'm definitely interested to see how these new signings fit in. You mentioned Ibarra and Sosa. Um, I think that's a midfield. If you throw Moreno in there with them, that could be very similar uh, to some of the midfields we saw in 2017, 2018. Uh, so it's going to be super interesting to see how these, these new signings come and fit in. And it does feel similar to 2017. And if you want specific analysis on these guys, I mean, I prefer to wait until we can see them play. I think watching highlight films can be difficult. Um, but the one one thing I do sense with the Sosa Ibarra pairing, and we talked about all offseason and last year about how the midfield was the area where you really need to upgrade. I think they pair well next to each other in a similar way that we maybe saw Jeff Lorenowitz and uh, Carlos Carmona pair together uh in 2017 Carlos Carmona (laughs) yeah right we're going way back right so I mean I think if you look at you know with with Sosa being maybe a slightly more uh six type of player that's just going to sit in front of the back four uh, back four even back three we'll see what happens there and then you're going to have a player in a bar that can roam forward a bit more I'd say he's obviously a bit more creative than Carmona but I think they pair nicely together and you can definitely see the vision for this team uh, shaping up and I'm just I'm just excited to watch it you know I'm with you guys I don't really know what to expect but I think it's going to be exciting and fun again and uh, that's what matters most to me after last year I'm looking at these predictive uh, starting 11s that uh, uh, Dirty South Soccer posted up um, couple, uh, yesterday and I, I'm looking at the names obviously Joseph Martinez we've already mentioned him Barco I think is obvious um, Robin Miles Robinson George Bello everyone else is basically a new face so it's 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 a new face to just the team in general, um, and so I think I think like like you guys have already kind of mentioned it. It's it's 2017 in the sense that we're we're gonna get this know know this team all over again. Uh, the one thing I would add is that the the difference between obviously 2017 and and this year is that we know we have a better idea of what this could look like with a guy like Heinze kind of leading it and, and bringing back more of the Tata Martino than, than the, uh, the Frank DeBoer style of management or style of play, should we say. Um, well, management it, as well, I think. Sure, yeah. But, I, but it, when I say that, I just mean more – it theoretically, you would think that we would get more of the Tata Martino exciting style of soccer, you know, that's going to put butts in the seats and, 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 you know, make everyone all happy that, you know, that the Frank DeBoer years are over. We're going to get more of that than, uh, than, than what we had under Frank DeBoer, where it was, you know, a little more lethargical and a little boring. And, uh, and even though you still got results and you still had success, you know, uh, on the field, it just – it wasn't doing it for, for, for the fans. So, I, I, you can expect – I think if that's – if there's nothing else, you can expect more of that style of play. Now, 
just because you get that style of play doesn't mean it's going to be successful. So that's, that's, you know, where Heinz is going to have to, you know, be, be a manager and, and find ways to have success on the field. Um, but at the very least we're going to, it seems as though we're going to get that kind of, that kind of 2017, 2018 feel uh, in terms of style of play, which I'm excited for. Um, I, especially this last year with COVID, it, it, it got hard to watch a lot of these games. I know that, that, that you know, that it wasn't just the style of play. It wasn't just, uh, you know, there was a style of play. There was the players themselves. There was the coach. Um, it was like a perfect storm of just a bad team. And even so, you know, toward the end there, we still had a shot of making the playoffs and such. But, you know, you're glad those days are over. And so hopefully this is a I, – I love that Atlanta United has basically – gone all in on just revitalizing seemingly revitalizing um or bringing back 2017 feel rather than you know trying something different even from you know Tata Martino to Frank DeBoer and you know trying a third option I'm just glad they're going back to what seemingly worked and and hopefully you know we're looking at the similar success we had in 2017 2018 I know 2017 didn't end the way we wanted to but um you know there was still a a a very positive positive outlook towards 2017 aside from it being the first year aside from you know Miguel Armido and Joseph Martinez you know becoming who they were you know there's a lot of there's a lot of hope and I think that's what's been missing for a lot of Lenny United fans um because a third year of Frank DeBoer we would have been like oh my gosh (laughs) although I I will say this those kids those those home kids the the ones that have leaked you know we don't have a confirmation on it yet but if that is indeed the home kid, that feels way more Frank DeBoer to me than Tata Martino, just in terms of, uh, uh, oh, great, you know, this, this is what we're coming coming from here. And that's been something, you know, that's been talked about just as much as the transfers in. But I, I do think that what Eric said is, you know, it's a great point that it's going to be a different style, obviously, from what Frank DeBoer is doing. But I want to kind of touch a little bit on, like, just the the – not off the field, but the way that training sessions are, the, the way that the – the, the team just kind of interacts with each other. You know, with Frank DeBoer, it's much more reg- regimented, much more you have to be, you know, uh, 8 o'clock training session starts at, you know, 7.59. You know, it's like way more like strict, way more like regimented. And you feel like Gabriel Heinz is going to come in and, and be a little more relaxed. And, and hopefully that sort of more relaxed atmosphere, you know, creates happier players, which in turn creates better play on the field. You know, you, th- those kind of things sometimes are linked together and sometimes not. Obviously, talent is a big thing there as well. But Atlanta United seems to have brought in a lot of good players, seems to have brought in players that Gabriel Heinze wants in. And, you know, it, it could be, you know, an entirely different style altogether because if, if you have like a guy like Sosa and a guy like Ibarra on the field at the same time, does that mean the Atlanta United is going to two number sixes? Which is funny because all of last season, I think people were like, we need a number six. And now, you know, they might go to a system where at times they're employing two number sixes. So it's just going to be a lot more different to watch. But as Eric said, it's exciting. It's it's exciting again. And I think going into a season, that's all you can ask for. And I think one thing that'll be good, I mean, if you, it was very clear during the Frank DeBoer era, even when the team was playing well, if there wasn't a clear understand, well, I don't know if there wasn't a clear understanding of what was, what what was needed, but there was not a clear system for success for that team. I mean, if you look at the one successful season they had under DeBoer um, in 2019, the way you were having success was you were just pulling goals out of nowhere with Julian Gressel finding Joseph Martinez, you know, with a cross for a goal out of nowhere. 
and it, there just was not a defined system of play under Frank DeBoer. I think he really struggled to communicate what he wanted. Um, and you could see that very clearly in games where you have lots of possession and you're not creating opportunities. If you look at Gabriel Heinze, and I don't want to get specific uh, into his tactics, um, and I, but I'm sure we'll discuss that more as um, you know the season begins. But he has a very clearly defined system of building out of the back. You know, whether it's a back three or back four, the way the, the movements you know, of his players as the team builds up. He has a system that I'm sure that he'll be implementing starting yesterday. That just wasn't the case under Frank DeBoer. I mean, it, it, it was a weird mix of him where, yes, like you say, Sam, it was the environment was more strict, but the system of play seemed, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of us are still kind of wondering what this desired system really was. And I think under Heinz, that's clearly not going to be the case. And I think the first clear indication of that is that you have players who clearly want to come to Atlanta now, which mm-hmm. didn't appear to be the case last off season. So I think, you know, Heinz obviously being a legendary player and legend uh, in a continent where Atlanta United want to recruit from, but also having a defined system of play that helps develop players and players want to play in, I think is a big part of uh, a big part of why we're so excited about this season. Yeah, you look at the changes, obviously no Franco Escobar, Fernando Meza, um is also gone eric hermetti is gone i mean those are those are guys that especially franco escobar you think of the role he played on the right side and um losing him is going to be a major impact look it's it's i'm not saying he wouldn't have fit under under heinz's um you know under a a heinz managing year but i i also i just love the fact that they're just pulling the trigger on this and just going all in i don't know if that was uh Franco Escobar's call to 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 leave. Uh, Fernando Meza, maybe look, I, I feel like he was hit or miss when it comes when it came to whether people liked him or not. Um, and Eric Rometty, I same sort of feel. I, I I think that there's a a desire, not that these guys are super old, but there was a desire, I guess, to go back to being younger, to being more aggressive, to being more um to, I guess being more fun to watch. I'm not saying these guys weren't fun to watch. Franco Escobar obviously was fun to watch, but um you know, I, I just can't I, – I like the mentality of the club going forward. I, there's not much I don't like about what's going on. I just hope it proves successful, um, you know, not just for next year but for years to come. I, I, there's this rededication, it seems like, to get younger, to be faster. Maybe not faster, but be younger, be more aggressive, be, uh, be, be a team that, that you know, that, that dictates, dictates rather than um, – you know, having to succumb. Did you just to say dick takes? Dick takes. <laughs> he did. He Give did. us your dick uh, takes, Eric. My, this, these are my dick takes. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and transition out of this uh, really weird uh, way that this conversation has gone, and just say that in terms of the departures, you don't like my dick takes. We can save those for another time. Uh, but big, big but honestly, Eric, they're coming up kind of short. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get back to the soccer talk here. And the departures, the one that got me was Mesa because I, I could have seen Rometty going. The thing about Rometty was I think when he was brought in, he fit what the style and what everything was at the time. But I don't think Frank DeBoer ever knew what to do with that guy. And quite frankly, his play suffered because of it. Although it might not have been because of it. He might just not have been that good in the first place. I guess we'll never really know. But I, I think he was he was fine for for the time that Atlanta brought him in. But yeah, his time in Atlanta had come to an end. He just wasn't figuring in and wasn't playing very well. So Remedy being gone is one thing. Franco Escobar, 
kind of seemed like, I don't know, like he didn't even want to be there anymore at times last season. So I'm not surprised at that one either. But Meza was one where he didn't seem like a malcontent. He was brought in to really be that next, you know, LGP or at least take his spot. And there were times, yeah, he showed some flashes being very good. And there were some times where he wasn't as good. But I guess I just thought that – like, I, I didn't see him leaving. Like, like Rometty, Franco Escobar, sure. But Meza leaving was, was definitely interesting. But, you know, with Atlanta United uh, being constantly linked to this guy or that guy, you know, we've got uh, a possibility with uh, Gianetti um, coming in from Velez. And if that is indeed the case, you know, that would probably bolster – that back line a little bit but I think right now you've got a situation where uh, Gabriel Heinze could have looked at a guy like Meza and been like yeah thanks but no thanks Uh, and if that's what his determination was so be it because right now all we can do is really trust the gaffer uh, because we haven't seen uh, what his style of play will yield on the field yeah so I, I think that the center the defensive situation is interesting because you did you let two center backs go right I mean and those two players with with Escobar and Mesa so if you bring in one you're still a little thin back there where you, you know George Campbell and Efren Morales are still a bit high up on that on that depth chart and I don't know that those are certainly not Morales I don't know that those are players that are ready uh, uh, for for first team football at this point so it'll be interesting what I'm interested to see is is Giannetti the only center back that you're going to bring in, or do you bring in two to try to replace both of those guys? And in terms of them individually, I think Rometty, I mean, we've been clamoring for a six for a couple years. Rometty's a six that really tells you all you need to know about his performances here. <laughs> Inconsistent, gave the ball away. In oh, bat- but guys, he, he, he hit the long diagonal like a pro. He had a great long diagonal. I listen, I listen to CFD United every week, and they told me about the long diagonals. Well, yeah, they called him diagonally. Like, dropped that the one nickname for him was like Martinez. the thick fielder. You know, like the thick – but he wasn't big. I never understood where that came from. He, he was wasn't thick, very though. He, he was I like guess. short and like uh, – <laughs> I mean, I'm, and of course, look, we'll remember him for, for the ML, MLS Cup run where he's fantastic. Course, in he scored the first goal in the, in the playoffs that year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So <laughs> – you know, he's someone we'll remember fondly, but I think it was time for him to move on. The other two, um, you know, Mesa, I definitely rate Mesa. And I think the it's it's pretty – I mean, the fact he's going on loan to the Copa Sudamericana champions tells you that he's still a very good player. But for whatever reason, maybe at its age, you want to clear some money off the cap when you send him on loan and have another team pay his wages. The Mesa thing, it just seems like he's just, for whatever reason, not a fit here for the plans. The Escobar one is interesting because – that also opens a bit of a hole at right back as well. Obviously, Ronald Hernandez is here, but then you're down to kind of Brooks Lennon as your backup, and we saw him really struggle at right back in a back four last year. So the, I, can see, I agree with you, Sam. I'm not surprised, super surprised to see those guys go, but letting two defenders go that were a big part of the team last year does create a bit of a hole, even if you only bring in one to replace them in Giannetti, and especially, especially when you can uh, consider that Escobar was a fixture at two positions on the back line. He could play center back, but he was also a great right back as well. What I would bring up is that, so normally when you have a manager change like this, so Frank DeBoer after year two, you could tell that even, even year one, most of those guys were Frank DeBoer's guys. Well, and even, well, I don't want to say that for sure, because I, I think you had half of Frank DeBoer's guys you had, or players that Frank DeBoer picked, um, and you still had a, a lot of leftover from from Tata Martino. That would probably be the better way to to, to describe it. I have a I have a 
a better, I feel better saying that this team is going to be Heinz's team in terms of the player acquisitions, in terms of what he wants to do on the field. Um, if he doesn't, you can't mid-season go, oh, well, he's still playing under Frank DeBoer's players or anything like that because these are the changes that you've seen are, are big enough uh, overall to, to label this as Heinz's team and, and Heinz's changes. I feel better. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't always love, you know, giving credit to, well, I don't know. I, I feel better about the whole thing because of Paul McDonough being in the picture. And his ability to kind of make this team what it was in 2017, 2018, before he went to Miami. Um, now that he's back in the picture, I, I, I feel better about what this team can be in, uh, in 2021 and, and moving forward with, with Heinze. Uh, but that, that's my kind of, with every, all the changes that have happened, that's my biggest, I can't, there's no one to, there's no one to blame if things go south other than Heinze himself. Because I feel like it just seems as though these are the players that he is picking. And I think the players that want to play for him and play in that right. system, as mentioned earlier, and that was a similar dynamic. Obviously, he's much younger, and I, he, I think he's looked up to uh, more at, from his playing career, that, whereas Martino was looked up to for his managerial career. But still, that's fine. You're, you're getting a young up-and-coming manager who's still a big name, particularly in Argentina, as we're seeing. And I just that's, to me, the biggest thing. I mean, and I, there's going to be some things. You know, it's easy to compare – Tata and Heinze for a lot of reasons. Um, I think we'll, as we learn more, find there are a lot of differences between the two. But the most crucial similarity is, is simply that, you know, they're a huge recruiting tool. You know, when we knew from Tata Martino uh, that he wasn't the, play, the guy who necessarily wouldn't identify the players, but once you identified those players, whether it be a Miguel Almiron or a Carlos Carmona, whatever level of player, <clears throat> excuse me, they wanted to come play for Tata Martino. And it seems like, considering the stature of player you're getting uh, from Argentina right now, especially considering the disaster was 2020, you've got to think Heinze is a big, big part of that. And, and to me, that's the biggest thing about it. And I think the fans feel the same way. We're excited to see this brand of soccer. And it clearly it's a, it's a brand that a lot of talented young players want to be a part of as well. If Definitely we get, ready to put 2020 in the rear view and, and get into 2021. You talk about that excitement. You know, I think we're all at that point where it's like, yeah, all I'm right, talking. yeah, we're, we're, we're done with, with 2020 in multiple senses and ready to move on to 2021. I think it's all affected us. I mean, even like you got Darren Eels like reading poetry backwards to announce like Franco Ibarra. So, you, you <laughs> He's know, out of ideas. You know, yeah, you know, we've, we've, we've got the, uh, the, the player reveals or whatever from Darren Eels completely jumping the shark. Love you, Darren, by the way. But that, that has just uh, gotten to – I think it's all starting to get to our heads. It's like, all right, can we just get – back on the field and get things going again and Atlanta United you know with the with the Champions League this year as well that, that a lot of people are still pretty butthurt that Atlanta United just got hey, we earned that we earned that Champions <laughs> League spot it's but, ours, um, deservedly it'll start before you know it and, that, and that's that's going to be what's great and I think that you know there, there are maybe one or two more pieces to come in but with with uh, MLS and MLSPA agreeing the the new CBA, I think that was really the last hurdle before we can all you know get super excited about this. Although that one does worry me a little bit for the future, just because you look at what happened between the two sides, and there seems to be a lot of contention right now between MLS and MLSPA. So not to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but just keep an eye on that. But for now, you know, let's just be happy that uh, soccer is indeed coming at Atlanta United you know, A, should look a lot different than they did last year, and B, 
hoping that that's a really good thing. And C, Joseph Martinez. We cannot forget the King will finally be back on a soccer field, and that automatically makes 2021 better than 2020. And I know this is a very controversial hot take, and it wasn't 2020, but in my opinion, we'll be able to score goals with a goal scorer uh, in the lineup. Just, just my go. opinion. I know that was, you know, just a crazy thing to say last year, but uh, you know, now Joseph is back. I want to. One thing that's interesting, just to speculate wildly about, because you know, we don't have. Uh, this is what we like to do: is be irresponsible. Uh, it, wh- where, where would you guys go with the roster? Let's assume Janetti's coming in, okay, and uh, and you're adding him to the back line. Maybe you could add another center back. You could add a right back. There's been some links with some right wingers as well. Right now, uh, Brooks Lennon would be your uh, – or Jurgen Dom would be your right winger right now, which is fine, but you could upgrade from that. Do you got? I mean, I'm interested to see if, if maybe you see one or two more players come in to really complete this roster. Freddie Adu. Freddie Adu. There we go. <laughs> oh, oh, gee. Shut it down. Shut it down. That's a punch to the nuts. Yeah, you know, just um, got Eric's got dick takes, and now he's got nut takes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I, I think I'd be okay with Jurgen Dam on that right side. Yeah, I, it, I, it's not, it's not a bad. It's, it's still a good eleven right now for sure. Oh, I mean, we, we on paper, sure. I, I, I would emphasize that on paper it looks fine. Um, it looks very dangerous, very threatening. The only reason I say I'd, I'd be fine with Jurgen Dam is assuming that everything kind of comes together everywhere else in the field. Because if you can play, if you can play Jurgen Dam sort of like you did a, a Tito Vijalba, uh, or even Julian Gressel, I'm not saying that Dam's crossing is is on the same level as, as Gressel, but Gressel fit the role that he was playing in on this specific team. Same with sort of Tito when he was on that right side and he was at his best. Um, if you can sort of isolate Dam like that, then I think he'd be fine. Uh, but it all it's all dependent on everything else that's around him. I don't think that that Dam could do it himself, um, much like Gressel couldn't do it himself and, and much like Tito couldn't do it himself. So it's it just depends on on how everything kind of comes together. I'm more worried about uh, how the Barco's development, because again, this is this is Barco probably should have left Atlanta United a year and a half ago and he's still here. Um, so I'm, I'm more excited to see how he might develop under team under players that that probably suit his skill set better than than any he's been with, um, and then it just depends on how how well they can all kind of uh, how, how well they can all facilitate things to Joseph Martinez and 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 what goes on in the midfield. It's all it's all it also depends on on who you start in the midfield. Like it's it's a whole it's a whole thing. I have a feeling that when when uh, Heinze gets asked those questions, it's going to be the same sort of answers you got out of, out of Tata Martino, where it's like, well, we're going to see what the starting 11 looks like and how who fits where and all that stuff and, and kind of make uh, decisions that way as opposed to just putting players in specific positions and that's the position, you know? Yeah, I think the midfield in theory, I mean, if you get what you want out of Ibarra and Sosa, and I think we can already confidently say that Marcelino Moreno is going to be a very good player. Mm-hmm. If those two signings work out, that's going to be a really good midfield. You mentioned the front three, Eric which I think is interesting. And I think the, the types of players there will help in Ezekiel Barco because yes, Ezekiel Barco, I think we are all will quote unquote start on the quote unquote left wing. But as we've seen, he, he, he's one to come inside and basically play through the center of the part. 
when PT Martinez was on the other side last year, he likes to do the same thing. So you saw a lot of situations where it just seemed like they were on top of each other all the time, where they were both trying to do the same things, where they were both trying to cut inside from their wings or come deep and receive the ball in midfield. Now you have Barco who likes to do that, and you have two players on the right who are different in the way they play in Dom and Lennon, but they're both more of guys that want to get wide on the right touch line with the ball and cut inside as opposed to receiving the ball in more central areas. So that, in theory, would open up space for Barco to work in the middle. We have two other guys that prefer to be out wide. And the other thing I like, you know, when we talk about Lennon and Dom, they both offer very different things. And assuming that you don't bring another right winger, I think this is where Heinz is really going to have to uh, do some coaching in terms of who do you select based on the matchup? Because Lennon gives you a little bit more of that, that Gressel uh, type of um, – production where where he's putting good crosses into the box he's a workhorse going up and down and certainly that suits you when you have a player like Joseph Martinez at the same time you have a guy like Dom who can get the ball on his feet run at defenders you know so I I think it's an interesting mix first of all that those right and left side attackers I think they'll suit each other because as I said though the, the fact they play a little differently will help the other side be in space, if that makes sense. The right winger playing on the touchline mm-hmm. opens up space for Barco in the middle. Barco playing in the middle, that should draw defenders away from Dahmer Lennon on the touchline. So I'm really interested to see what happens with the front three. And I think this is an area where Heinz is really going to have to do some coaching uh, in order to get more out of Barco uh, than, than we've seen in the past couple years. And also just figuring out who to go with with Dom or Lennon on that right side, because as I just uh, said, there's there's a lot of different factors that could lead you to selecting either of them in your first 11. Super intrigued by Barco this year. I mean, obviously, this is his last real shot. You know, if he wants to springboard to Europe from Atlanta United, he's got to come out guns blazing. Like, he's got to be at his best, because I think – you know, the, the scouts from Europe and, and, and the, the people that are really going to be determining whether that's the kind of transfer you're going to make or not have had their eyes on him for long enough now in Atlanta and seen him underperform to the point of, you know, it's, it's going to be much more likely that he gets a move south, not east. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be going back to, you know, South America or Mexico or something like that. Or he's just here for a while. Or he's here for a while. That's the thing. I mean, he may be he may be with Atlanta or another MLS squad hey, for a while. Who hey, knows? But like, he's got to, to go. Don't rule out Saudi Arabia. Well, that's, that's very true, I mean, too. Well, that, it, that is east. That is very much east of here. <laughs> but also go but, east. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if, if, if he wants to go, like, east but not that far east, then, yeah, he needs to uh, have, have a really good start here. And I think uh, a fresh start under Gabriel Heinze, Hopefully he's just what he needed because, you know, I, I think a guy like that is going to understand that type of player way better than like a Frank DeBoer did. Yeah, and so, I, I, I do think he's set up for success this season in a way I agree with him that he has in the last two seasons. Part of it is the tactical uh, aspects I just mentioned. And obviously last year was difficult for a player like Barco who was more of a passer, set the table for other guys, and then you're setting that table for Adam John, right? So, I mean, that's not, uh, that's not ideal. But at the same time, I mean, I was – I thought if, if I was a scout watching Ezekiel Barco last year, I'd be very interested to see him without the players around him that he needs because that's when you really learn about a guy like that. Of course. And not only did his production decline, but his work rate was not good. And that's maybe the first – usually he's giving you very good work rate. And, and that decline last year, at times he didn't look fit. He had the knock or whatever you want to call it. Um, that combined with the pandemic, it, you know, I mean – 
that that was a season last year where I think his stock absolutely dropped. And if you look at the fact this season, you know, I think he's set up for success under a manager that's a good fit for him. He's going to have a chance to show himself at the Olympics. You know, he's going to be 22 this uh, in about a month. If it doesn't come together for him this season, especially when you consider the, the, the changing financial landscape of some of the clubs in Europe through the, the world economy right now with the pandemic, it's going to be damn hard for him to get over to Europe. So this oh, is yeah, a, for sure. might be a make or break season in his career, because even if you don't, even if he ends up going to Europe at some point, there's a big difference between going to Europe as a 21, 22 year old and a 23, 24, 25 year old. They, the clubs they are going to, this is the last season where he can say, I'm a prospect. He needs yeah. to prove what he's about this season or he's not, he's just not, even if he does go to Europe, his value is, is going to be substantially lower um, yeah. because if he can't do it this year, I think clubs are going to look at that and say, all right, we see what this guy is. He can be really good. He can struggle. He's got issues with fitness and I don't see any reason that's going to change because he's been a professional for four or five seasons at this part. So yeah. I, and I, I think I, one thing too, one thing too with Barco is that you hit the nail on the head here way more of a facilitator, passer, creator than, you know, finisher, so to speak. So these are going to be some lofty comparisons. But, yeah, he's way more of a Riquelme, Javi type than he is a, you know, Joseph Martinez slash finisher slash whatever you want to call it type. So he's not going to be the guy that's going to be pouring in all the goals. It's sort of like like Miguel Amiron obviously was a much more gifted finisher than Ezekiel Barco. But they still were both, I think, first and foremost there to distribute. Not necessarily. And if you look at Almiron's goal tally when he went to Newcastle against better defenders, you see, yes, he can score goals, but that's not the number one thing that he does. Yes, that's exactly right. So I think with with Barco here, hopefully Gabriel Heinze realizes that. Because if if that's the case and he he lets him sort of do that more, then yeah, Barco could be great. And and I totally agree. This is a big season for him, and it's a big season, uh, you know, for the club in general, but especially uh, Ezekiel Barco and determining his future, no question about it. Uh, hot take, do you guys – or hot take question, I guess. Do you guys think that he will get sold at the end of this year to a major European club? No. I'm so torn on that. I mean, the, the, I just think I, – I, I mean, I'm a Barco stan, so I'll say yes. You I'm, think, so he, him, I'm, I'm not saying board. just like Premier League. I'm saying all over Europe, big, big club, big-name club. You think he makes it? I think he'll end up with the type of clubs that we've seen him linked with, which are Europa League or below sure. type of clubs. I think some of the big, big clubs we saw him linked with um, before last season were trying to get him when, I, as I said, he was still seen as that kind of young prospect that maybe in a couple years develops for them. I don't think those big, big clubs are so much in for him anymore. Um, I think he... I think he goes to a Europa League or a below type of club. You know, we've seen him link with Napoli. Um, you know, if you go down a little lower to Fiorentina type uh, of club, I think we're, we're going to see him at that that level of club. But certainly it's going to be determinant on his performance this season. There's no question funny, about that. It's funny, Josh's comments actually swayed me into the no more than the yes. <laughs> you were, well, no, when, you were, when you were talking about, like, the scouts having had the opportunity to see him, I think it might already be too late, you know, because he is – you know, going to be uh, getting a little older this season. And I, I think there is enough tape on him. Hopefully he can come out, like I said, guns blazing this year, really, really good play and prove me and a lot of other people wrong. But I think right now – Those are going to – we know he can yeah, do it, yeah, yeah. but can he do it week to week? Yep, or on a rainy night in so I, I'm willing, Or I'm, on a rainy night in Stoke. <laughs> I'm willing to have my mind changed, but I, I – I, So, I mean, we'll see how the, the, the you know, 2020, 2021 pans out for – 
for Barco. But even if he does get moved, I, I think that uh, he's going to be a supplementary piece, not someone that, you know, is uh, – is, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the starting 11 as a guarantee. I'm sure he'll get starting minutes sometimes, but it's not going to be like a Miguel Adebido situation where he's going to get brought over and, and become the man or become like the the next saving grace uh, for for whatever team he goes to. I think he'll be a supplementary piece that um, that helps a team where, where where they might have a need or a hole to fill. But but outside of that, I don't. That's that's my version. That's my hot take. I guess I'm willing to have my mind changed, assuming how or assuming he does well this season. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not dying on that hill, but based off what I've seen so far, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more in that direction than anywhere else. I think he does eventually get sold after this, after this season, but uh, I don't think it's going to be with the, with the promise of, of, you know, with everything that we were kind of expecting when he uh, initially came in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that ultimately, you know, we, we just have to, cross our fingers and hope for the best i see what you guys are saying now the timer okay. you're the host eric we have a left. <laughs> uh all right well that uh, any final thoughts before we take off it's great to be back we're going to be here on a more regular basis follow me on twitter at josh b914 at sam j franco over here don't forget to rock your lucid fc yeah yeah uh you can find me at eric g quintana on twitter and the podcast at mots podcasts um anything else that is for us right that's it all right until next time see you later Atlanta. dictates